you so much, Apostle. Thank you so much, Pastor Z, for the opportunity to minister this morning. I'm excited for what God's going to do in this place. Amen. Amen. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. There's a little bit of scripture we're going to read. First Kings 18 and 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on wood. Go, go back. I know I can read well, but maybe not that well. And lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Go. Is it? Therefore, let them give us next verse. 24. Okay. Then you shall call on the name of God of your gods, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal, morning till even till noon, saying, Oh Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud for, his God, for, he, for he is a God. Either he's meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping or he must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances. But the blood gushed out from them. Until the blood gushed up from them. When the midday passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So this is whole day. Say whole day. Around that altar. Say whole day. Around that altar. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near and said to him, uh, came near to him and read. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob from the word and to the, whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Shall Israel be your name? Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on burnt sacrifices on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and they did a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they said, a third time. And then the water ran all around the altar and also filled the trench of the water. <clears throat> and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I, that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that the Lord God, that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Amen and amen. The repaired altar. Amen.
It says he's in, he repaired the altar. You know something so powerful when I look at our lives and I look at who we are as the church, when you look at the distinction that's made even in the scripture, he says, no, you go to your God and I'm going to go to mine. And let's see. Why? Because he knew that his God was alive. He knew his God was living. He wasn't stuck in a position where his God could not answer him. He wasn't in a position where his approach to this God was determined by rules, regulations, laws, codifications with the maybe of something happening. He knew that if he stepped out in faith that this God, because this God is alive and because he is God, the creator of the universe and of everything of mankind, all that you see, he knew that this God would show up. The challenge that I have for us as the church and the body of Christ is where do we stand? How do we approach the altar? How do we approach this God? You see, because you can get stuck in the limitations of religion. And being stuck in the limitations of religion, it puts you in doing the works that you saw these people do, but there was no result in their lives at all. At all. When we approach because of who He is, it's a very different kind of approach. And that's what I want to touch in the season with us. God is doing something unique here. Very quiet in the church. God is doing something unique in this place. God is moving in this place. But you can still approach it under the banner of religion. And miss the moment of what God is doing in the season. Because when you're stuck in religion, serving a God that you don't know if He's going to show up or not. Your expectation diminishes. Your expectation diminishes, so your approach changes. Whereas for us, every time you walk into this place, you must have a high expectation that something's going to happen to me today. Because <laughs> when I sing praises to His name, when I worship Him, then He shows up. When I bless His name, He's going to show up. When I walk in this place, there's a presence in here that is able to deliver me and to set me free. You see, you've got to change your approach this morning. Don't be like those who had much activity with no results. Hear me, He did less. He did less and God did more for him in Jesus' name. If you read that scripture, when you read what they did, they were jumping around with that. Now I'm not saying we don't do that in the house of God because we praise him. Amen. But I'm saying their activities that they were doing because it was religious. It was based on tradition. They came to church to get a tick. They came to church to appease their conscience. It creates a repetitive cycle of tradition and religion with no power and no breakthrough and nothing happening in your life because your approach is wrong. So when God said He's dealing with an altar in Kingdom Life Embassy and we saw the change that was taking place and the shake that was happening, you could have stood back and said, but I don't like this. It's not the way that we normally do things. Where's my too fast, too slow? Because religion gets you into repetition that's got no power. But for us, <laughs> we have the only God, here we go check every other religion, we have the only God that made a way to connect with us. Every other religion, they want you to do something to connect with Him. He's the only one that said, you know, for these people, my creation, my creation, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son. He's going to die. He's going to pay the price, but he's going to break that breach. He's going to pull that breach, break that gap, pull anything that needs to be done so that we can connect with him. He's the only God, hear me. 
it's the only, I don't want to call it the religion. But in our worship as believers, we're the only people that worship a God that lives in us. <laughs> there is no other. We're the only people that, the Bible says, the fullness of the God lives in you. Christ in you and you in Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says that in you is the fullness of God on the inside of you. We're the only people that worship a God that is alive on the inside of us. <laughs> We're the only people who has a God who speaks. We're the only people who has a God who hears. We're the only people who have a God who does. Every other person's got a dead religion. That's why when we get together and we pray, when we get together and we worship, when we get together and we praise, something happens in the atmosphere like no other place possible. There's nobody like you and me. Yummy. This very same God. This very same God. He doesn't modify you. You don't, you don't put on some rims and maybe a, sp a spray paint job. He gives you a completely new life. There's no adaptation or evolution with Jesus. The day you get saved, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Another version says, a new creature. A different species. Altogether. He shifts you from one to the other. And it's this one, the new man, that can be housed in his presence with constant fellowship, never separated from him. Hearing his voice, doing his will, and seeing his power. There is no other. There is no other. Hear me. Don't even put yourself, and I'm not speaking about against anybody, I'm not here to say whatever, but I don't care. There is no other religion that stands up against who you are and who your God is. There isn't. That's why when we get together and we come to worship, when we get together and we come to pray, things are changing, things are shifting. Don't walk in here with an expectation like it's an everyday thing. Don't walk in here with an expectation like it's just, oh, it's by the by. The devil is a liar. Things are changing right now. When we get together, when we speak His name, when we bless His name, when we pray, when we stand, when we intercede, things change. Because he is alive. He is alive. So he creates a distinction. He says, you go your way, I go my way. It's time for us to go the right way. It's time for us to choose. I'm telling you, we're coming into the greatest season of the supernatural like we've ever seen in this church. You can sense it. But it's time for us to align. It's time for us to get our expectations Look at your neighbor and say, you're not normal. Look at the next one and say, you're not normal. It's not in a bad way. Okay, look back at them and say, you are supernatural. Look at the next one and say, you are supernatural. You are not designed to fit into any other box but what God has said about you. Hear me. I don't care about the rest of the world and how they have to deal with this stuff. But in our kingdom, with our God, we have healing that comes from heaven. We have prosperity that comes from heaven. We have life that comes from heaven. We don't get anything from here, baby. We get it from heaven, from the King of kings and from the Lord of lords. We don't tap into anything that other people can tap into. That's why when we pray, that's why when we declare, that's why when we speak, things change. We're not the same. 
be not the same. We don't stand by the health system of the world. Our medical aid don't come from here. You don't live by this economy. Because you're not normal. Don't ever put yourself in that place. Don't ever accept the lie of the enemy. Don't ever accept when he says it's over. It's not over until God says so. It's not over until God says so. And hear me, I'm not just coming out of the season, not smelling like smoke. I'm coming out of the season fully repaired, fully recompensed, fully restored, everything in place the way God ordained it to be and moving faster and faster than ever before. Hallelujah. Come on now. It's our approach, number one. It's how we approach our God. Boldly into His throne room of grace to obtain mercy for a felt and grace to help us in our time. Tell me another people that can do that. Tell me. Tell me another people that can come into agreement with another person and expect breakthrough and healing and wholeness and prosperity. Tell me. Tell me another people that can call on heaven to deliver a breakthrough in my situation. This God. God Almighty, concerned about my personal affairs. He knows the hair. He's numbered it on your head. That's how intimately He knows you. No one knows a God like we know. So don't live like everybody else. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to 1 Kings 18.30. I just want to deal with altars quickly. I don't have much time. But we've got to approach this thing properly. Because you see, when God is doing something like He's doing in our midst, you can come to church like it's a normal Sunday every Sunday. There is no normal anymore. I listened to something about a leader who was just sharing. And he said, you know what people are trying to find? What's the next normal? He said, there's no, what's the new normal? He said, there's no more new normal. There's only new next. There's no more new normal. Don't stop trying to go back. God's moving. Things have shifted. Things have changed. The atmosphere has changed. God has moved. God has opened up this portal above this place and this altar. And there's a pouring out in the season like we've never seen before. But don't approach it like normal. You see an altar, like apostles say, the altar is a portal. It connects the spirit to the natural. But it can be light or dark. There were two altars in the scripture. One was calling to darkness. One was calling to light. There was a manifestation on the light and not the dark but it's our approach as we come in the season to say what is God doing in this place what's happening with the altar why is it changed in this place why is the atmosphere changed in this place what's going on we need to wake up to the season and the moment of what God is doing in this house amen so number one Apostle mentioned last week, I just want to deal with personal altars and I want to deal with the altar in the house of God. You see, because when you get saved, when you get born again, you become a new creation, amen? You're new. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. God starts to develop the personal altar on the inside of you. And your personal altar is, is developed and serviced through what? Through giving through serving, through sowing, through denying oneself. God deals with you. It's very much like a wilderness period. It's a personal time of preparation. Yes, you're serving, yes, you're doing what God is wanting you to do. But there's a deep 
work that God starts to do on the inside of you. And the more you sacrifice yourself, the more God starts to do. That's why you can go past it. I'm going to come back to it. In Romans chapter, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and then do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says what? You are a living sacrifice. The only problem with the living sacrifice is that when it doesn't like what's happening on the altar, it can get off. But in seasons that God has you, more has to die. And so God will require one thing from you in one season. And as you lay that on your altar, God goes deeper with you. Are you with me? And as you go deeper with God, God says, okay, now give that thing there. Okay, now let's deal with that thing there. And the more God works on the inside of you, the more God develops you, He prepares you for what's to come. Are you with me? So number one is you have to take care of your personal altar. Because Elijah said in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30, he says, Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar. He knew before he could call upon the power, the altar had to be repaired. So as God's been repairing the altar here, you must be repairing the altar there. Why? Because God is busy moving. There's a move of God that's taking place. You can sense it. Hear me. You can say, I don't care. You, can, you don't even have to be spiritually discerning, supernaturally net. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need that high qualifications to when you come in this place, you can see there's something going on in this place. And it's not good enough for us to just come in and say, oh, it was a nice service today. I felt nice when I was in this place. Of course you're going to feel nice. Why? Because there's no demonic stuff happening in the atmosphere. You're coming into a place of liberty and freedom. You're going to feel good. But the thing is, you've got to clench onto what God is doing. So it's a season where you yourself have to go work with your personal altar and your prayer life. You know, after Apostle preached on Sunday, the Lord said, I got up to pray and said, okay, do you think that that's that the last season is good enough for this season. I was like, sure, okay. God said, no. If you know something's happening in the atmosphere, you must come and go deeper in this season because of what I'm about to do. So for all of us in this moment, in this time, it's time for us to get dealing with our personal altars as God is working with all of you. You need to restore the altar, your personal altar. And it's through your personal altar that you experience personal power. The Bible says that you must go in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter, I'm not going to, just for time. I'm going to read the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, he says, Go and pray in the secret place. And your Father will reward you where? Openly. Go and tend to your altar in the secret place. Go and spend time with God in the secret place. Why? Because you need to tend to your personality. You need to take care of it. You need to make sure that it's restored. Because if you want power, you can't have power if that, if that altar is not repaired. If it's not serviced. Are you with me? Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus in Luke, it says he often withdrew to the wilderness. Why? Where did that power come from? It was in the presence that he spent with his father. You see the miracles, the healings, it says he often withdrew. When he was with the crowds, he'd send away, send the disciples away, then he would go into the mountain to pray. 
to work what the personal altar. But it doesn't end there. You see people say, I am the church. Yeah, but you're part of a body. We don't see toes running around here by themselves. Hey, God's working with me. I know He's working with you because He's working with everybody. But there's a body. Are you with me? Any piece of body, limb, whatever, separated from the body, don't make sense. Eventually, the thing's going to rot and it's going to stink. And when you come around those people, they don't smell so nice. What comes into their mouths don't smell so nice. Because it's not about you. You understand what I'm saying? When God calls you and God does what He wants to do inside of you, it's to take you deeper, but the deeper is to connect with the body to do what the assignment of heaven is on the earth. So when we're dealing with the altar in the house of God, it's very different. Here's the thing. You can only call a house of God a house of God if it has three things. If it has an altar, if it has sacrifices, and if it has offerings. If you just have a building with a stage, then all you got is pretense, actors, and performers. But when you have a house of God, a church, and this is when I want to break it, an ecclesia, the game changes completely. You see, because what God does for you personally and what God wants to do in and through you personally will always be connected to a house. Because the house, the altar of the house is for nations. Listen. The church, the house of God, is called the ecclesia. Right? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus uses that word to describe the church. The first time he says it, he says it, he speaks it. Jesus, so if he says it and the way he says it should be right. No? Okay. The way he says what he says is right. So if God, Jesus says it's an ecclesia, which is a legislative assembly. It spoke of a governmental institution. People that assemble for governmental rule and reign, hear me, to declare and to draw up constitution according to the kingdom of God. That is what he meant. Not a place to come and just clap your hands, say a couple of nice words and go, no, 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 no. When you walk into a church, an ecclesia, it's not the same. When you walk into an ecclesia, the altar is governmental. Why? Because when you go back to the word apostle, in the, in, in, in the context that Jesus used the word, the apostle in the Roman Empire, they were people that were sent ahead of time from Rome, loaded with ships. Loaded with resources to do what? To take over new territory. So they would be deployed from headquarters. Here's an apostle. Go. Go to that region. Take all the resources you need. Take the people you need, the army you need, whatever you need, and go into that place and convert that place. Change it to be subject to our territory, our rule, our laws, our customs, and our way of doing things. So when Apostle Max, hear me, got called to come to this and establish the altar. It's a governmental sending. 
It's not the building of a place of worship. It's a governmental sending that he goes loaded with everything on the inside of him. Hear me? In order to release what is needed in a region, a city or a nation to take over that place. So if you look at apostle, if I take his life, you see how he connects with an altar, God saves him. He builds his personal altar. He makes sacrifices for his personal altar. He says, God, I'm going to do what you said, what you want me to do. God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. And every season, God asks him and requires more from him. You heard about how you to give his CDs away. The thing that was attached to his heart, what is that? It's not let your will die. Was it about the CDs? No, it was about the heart. God says, give me more of you. Because at the end of the day, I want to end up with only you. I don't want to, I just want you. So he serves God faithfully, does what God is serving in his church, he's sowing into ministries, he's blessing the people, he's fulfilling his role. At that point in time, then God says, okay, now you're mine, I want you for me. But I'm going to deploy you. And God says, okay, I want you to start a church. Not a house of worship, an ecclesia. Why? Because heaven has an agenda. Heaven has an agenda in the earth to change a region, a city, a nation in order to align with the kingdom of God. This is not about a place of worship. Hear me. We worship in this place, but this place is not about a place of worship. So God says, I'm going to send you. And through His sacrifice now on that altar, God starts to consume the sacrifice and we come to see the fire that's burning. So people approach the altar that is in a place. And why do some people come to some churches and some people go to other churches? Because there's different mantles and graces and different assignments on different apostles. So the Bible says that he puts everybody in their place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says he places the members of the body, the Holy Spirit, not you. You don't decide to go and say, oh, I like it, yeah, it's nice. No, no, no. How many people have we spoken about? You're drawn it because there's something that he says that just connects with me. There's something that he preaches, the way he says the word, that's just so relevant to me. Why? Because your life is attached to this altar for this grace to flow into your life to fulfill the assignment of the kingdom. You see, the enemy wants you to think you can be separated from what's happening here, but it's alive from the pit of hell. It's alive from the pit of hell. Anything, hear me, if you shift away, you are dismembered. It's a dismember. It means you moved away, you've broken away, and there's no life because you're not connected to the source of life. Why? God has these, 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 these altars all over the world, and people are designed to be connected to the altar based upon the assignment of God upon their life. But you can't fulfill that assignment unless you're connected. It's not possible. Are you with me? So God will work with you as an individual. But the day that you come in and the day that you connect, the day that God starts to reveal, you need what's on this place for you. That's why Ephesians, I'm going to end with this today. I was only supposed to go for 25 minutes. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, I want to read this to you. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Next one. Sure. Next. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, 
He led captivity captive, listen, and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Next, he who descended, he's also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave, now this is the gift he's spoken about. Are you with me? He says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Go. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of the Christ. Listen to me. He says, he says, and he gave gifts. Then he tells us what the gifts are. It's the fivefold ministry. They gifts. They gifts. Listen. He says, like he says, for the equipping of the ministry. So many times we downscale that. Hear me? We downscale it to training and development and discipleship. It's true, but not complete. That word equipping in the Greek actually means complete furnishing. Complete furnishing. Hear me. God gives you a gift. Gifts must only be received. But in that gift, He loads everything spiritually. Everything that you need to be fully furnished as an individual to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for your life. Fully furnished. The equipping that we're speaking of is not about coming into a discipleship lesson. It's about understanding what God is doing in an ecclesia. It's understanding what God does through an apostle in your midst. It's that when God blesses you and gives you a gift, the purpose of it is that when you connect to the gift, that everything that you need, the grace that is on that gift, the blessing that is in that mantle, the power that is loaded in that altar, it's for you to participate and partake so that what you take from it is to give you the victory wherever you go. That when you walk, wherever you walk, you take in the same power, the same anointing, the same glory that is in this place and taking it with you. You see, it's not just about you having something to do or a little business that you have or a little idea that you have. God doesn't build purpose around your gift. Purpose is designed around kingdom. Your gift is the tool for you to fulfill the assignment of God upon your life. But when you come into the house of God, God's going to start to speak to you about territory. God's going to start to speak to you about where He's called you to go. How many people in this house, after one conversation with the apostle or spending time with him, something else awoke and he said, Sure, I actually need to be a chef. Sure, I don't need to be working anymore, Ronaldo. I'm actually a businessman. I'm actually a speaker, Tyrone. I'm not actually meant for that. I should be training and different. What is it? It's that this thing will awaken the thing of God on the inside of you to go where God has called you to go. It's not about a little thing here. Hear me. It's about territory for the kingdom of God. He says he repaired all the, this altar being repaired. Let me tell you something now in this season. You're going to see the power of God like we haven't seen before. Because the altar is repaired. And as God is working with the mantle and with the altar, and as we commit to what God is doing here, you're going to see the flow that comes to you. I'm telling you this is the way that it works. You see, because the life is in where? The body and in the blood. It's connected. You can't be separated. The day you connect is the day you receive. The day you connect is the day you receive. You see, if you don't participate, you're not going to partake. God is doing a powerful thing here in this place. And I'm going to share the testimony one day of what God did and what God is busy doing in my life personally. Not because of anything. 
just because I prioritized the altar. The Lord rebuked me openly and publicly. And just by changing my attention to the altar, what happened? Nothing great about Briar. It's that there's a flow now from what's happening here. The gift and the altar that is coming to fully furnish me to do the work that God has called us to do. And when every single person attached to this altar is fulfilling their purpose, this altar will breathe even more. Why? Because you'll be taking territory and more territory and more territory for the kingdom of God. This altar will deploy you into your purpose and into your destiny. So if some of you are sitting in this place saying, you know what, I don't know which way to go. I'm still not sure. It's connect to the altar. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing. What's my purpose? What's my... Connect to the altar. Pick up a broom, honey. Get involved somewhere. Ask somebody, how do I become a part of this? Make sure you bring in your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse. Connect with the altar. Connect with what God is doing in the season and you will receive like you've never received before. It's a divine relationship that God creates. And the reason why I'm saying this to you today is because I don't want us to approach this thing as a natural thing anymore. I'm praying that God is opening up the eyes of this church. In fact, the, church, the eyes of this church is open. The eyes of this church is open to see what God wants us to see. To approach everything the way He wants us to approach it so we can walk the way He wants us to walk. It's not a season to move back. It's a season to come close. It's not a season to walk away. It's a season to connect. And when the fire falls, people are going to see you burn for Jesus. I'm telling you that wherever you go, the fire that's on your life will deliver people, will set them free, will break them out of their bondages, it won't even be a heavy thing. You'll just walk into places and experience victory. Why? Because of the divine connection with what God is doing in this place. It's a calling in the season. It's a calling to connect in the season like never before. It's a calling to give like you've never given before. It's a calling to serve like you've never served before. It's a calling in the season for us to connect like we've never connected before. Why? Because God is saying, I'm busy doing something and something is happening in the earth. The spiritual activity over this place, I, would, I don't even know. I would love to see it. But I can only imagine what God is doing in this place. And it's governmental. It's about territory. It's about pursuing the mountains. It's about overtaking, overcoming, and dominating in the season. But it starts here. It starts at the altar. It starts with the divine relationships. It starts with the connection that's here. Are you with me? That's why Elisha said, before he even calls on God, what's he going to do? I'm going to repair the altar. Because there would be no power with no altar there'd be no fire with no altar what's the point of a sacrifice if there's no altar he says put it together first make sure the altar's right now let's call upon the name of our Lord in this season in this moment and in this time I'm calling upon this altar to bring restoration healing deliverance judgment on the enemy 
and recompense on every side. Anything in anyone that is out of alignment, I'm declaring that from this altar, life is flowing to bring everything back into divine alignment. Anywhere the enemies hounded you, harassed you, and tried to distract you, I declare that that thing is broken this morning because the altar has been repaired. Father, we call upon your name this morning. We call upon your name this morning, Lord. We declare that in this place, in this altar, heaven touches earth. And I pray for a divine manifestation of your kingdom expansion in and through each and every person connected to this place. I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in this house and what you've done already, Father. I thank you for the restoration. I thank you for the healing, the wholeness, the deliverance that has come to your people, Father. I know it's only the beginning, Daddy, of what you're about to do in this place. We honor you, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Come and have your will and have your way in this house, Father. Come and do what you need to do in this household, on this altar, in our apostle and our pastor. We thank you that it's a season of restoration upon their lives. We thank you it's a season that you're building them up, Father God. You're establishing them for the plan and the purposes of the kingdom, Father. It's a higher level that you've called them to, Father. And so, Father, as your children, as your people, we come to undergird them this morning through prayer, through our giving, through our love, through our support, because we know that you're busy with something in this house, in this we acknowledge that it's all because of you. And we honor you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you need to connect to the altar, if you need the life of God on the inside of you, you're saying, Pastor B, I want that life. I want what you're speaking about. It starts with Jesus Christ. Hear me online. You need to connect with Him. You need to receive Him in your life. The minute you do, your life will change and never be the same ever again. If that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. So you say, you know what, Pastor B, I once prayed that prayer. But I see like I'm so far. I feel like I'm disconnected from God and what He's doing in the season. Then I want to pray for you as well. If that's you, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Or you said, I prayed that prayer before, Pastor B, but I just need to reconnect with Him. Then I want to pray for you. If that's you, just lift up your hand very quickly. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you online, just connect with us as well. DM us and let us know so that we can pray for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let us all pray. Say, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you sent Jesus down to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Three days later, he rose again so that we can have life. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me of all sin. Make me righteous and give me the new life that is found in you. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If that's you online, if you said the prayer, you pray the prayer of salvation. Please connect with us. DM us so we can get, to, get connected to you. We can pray for you. 
and we can just be a part of what God is going to be doing in, your, in the season in your life, in Jesus' name. Now it's time for our tithes and offerings, and I just want to go back to that scripture this morning. It's in uh, 1 Kings 17.32. Since then, then with stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to receive even up for two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on this burnt sacrifice on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time, do it a third time. And so the water ran all around the, pot, around the, the altar. Two things I want us to notice. He says, Take three pots of water, pour it three times, which is, which is what? Nine times he poured these things of water. Four pots, sorry. Four pots of water three times is twelve. It's governmental order, right? He says, Pour the water on. Yeah. Water was a scarce commodity in that time because they were in a time of famine. Are you with me? When they sowed the water, God consumes the sacrifice. God licks up the water and God releases rain and the famine is stopped. Are you with me? So no matter where you position, when you bring your seed, your tithe, and your offering into the storehouse this morning and connect it to an altar, hear me, wherever there's been a famine in your life, is no more wherever there's been a famine there is no more there's prosperity there's rain and abundance coming to your household why because of the altar and what god is doing in this place amen and amen let's receive the tithes and offerings please you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all so special to us man I think even just studying this word and what God has just been showing me just the depth of actually what he's actually done in and through your life in the apostle and seeing the power of what God is doing in this generation it's phenomenal today we want to encourage you and let you know that your life matters 
And I know there's many people in the world, I know there's people online that, that can say so, but for this house, for this family, your life matters. Your lives are important to us. The love that you give, the commitment you have to God is second to none. And we know there's greatness coming. We know God's going to do so much more. But as a family today, as Kingdom Life Emphasis, we just want to tell you that we love and appreciate you. We're so blessed. You know, God could have raised up anybody and could have really connected us anywhere because He puts us. He chooses. We don't choose. He gives the gift and He determines who's connected to the gift. But I'm so grateful that He connected us with you. I'm so glad that He chose you and chose us to be by you. It's a privilege and an honor to serve you, to serve Apostle, to be with you, to experience what I've experienced with you. It is such a blessing. And today we just want to take a moment. I know it could never be enough. And I know there's not enough words to describe. There's not enough gifts we could give just for the love that we have for you and how much you mean to us. Amen. Amen. So we have a few people coming to share this morning. Good morning, church. Uh, for all those joining us via live stream, uh, we trust God is working through the airwaves to uh, reach you in your homes. Uh, good morning, Pastor Zina and Apostle Max. Uh, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to connect to this altar. Thank you for always prioritizing this altar. Uh, Pastor Brian, thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. It's truly an honor and I don't take it lightly. Honestly, trying to uh, put into words the most accurate speech or address that would honor you, Apostle Max and Pastor Zina, is incredibly difficult because of how much you do behind the scenes. Um, in your war rooms at home, you on campus is truly incredible and there's so much we don't see uh, the investment you put into this ministry into us as a family is capable of leaving one speechless and uh, it's easy to measure the value of money that's put into this ministry but to accurately measure the value of time that's been put into this church into this ministry would alone just the thought alone would motivate one to get their lives in order purely out of reverence for you, Apostle Max, and for you, Pastor Zina. And here we are as a family with the opportunity and privilege not only to call you our spiritual parents, but to connect to this altar. And um, it's truly a blessing. The honest truth, though, is that as difficult as it is to put into words or to find the correct words to honor you, Apostle Max and Pastor Zina, I, th I think the only real and uh, concrete way we can honor you is to come back with testimonies. And um, we consistently hear apostles say that today's note makers are tomorrow's history makers. We can take all the notes we want, but I highly doubt that those history makers took notes and felt that that was sufficient to go out and make history. They acted on the words they received and on the notes they made. <clears throat> and so it's all about testimonies, and that's how we can best honor you. Pastor Zina and Apostle Max. Um, advance and maintain. You guys have been living examples of that time after time and season after season. We love you and we thank you for that. Thank you.
morning, church. Morning, Pastor Z. Morning, Apostle Max. Morning, Tess. Um, thank you, Pastor B. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'd like to read something that myself and Kanya put together for you. Apostle and Pastor Zina, thank you for your obedience. We thank you for your resilience. We thank you for your authenticity uh, with the call of God upon your lives. Um, you keep it real and say it like it is. Um, and because you're full of the word, um, that is always what we get from you in any situation. Um, you ask us, did God say it? And we say yes, and you say you do it. Um, and that's what we love about you. Um, that's what I appreciate more about you and Apostle. Because in my world, that is the revelation of a person's heart. So we see your heart, we see the love of God through you every day, and we are appreciative of it. Um, thank you so much. We love and respect you just as you are. Um, and we'd like to say that may the Holy Spirit guide us to continually serve you, to continually serve the MBH and the KLE visions with the gifts that God has given us. We copy the same diligence, the same authenticity, the same obedience that we see through you um, in serving uh, the space here. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor B. That word was for me, um, that God, you know, once you connect, once you serve, you start seeing the miracles of God. I'm a living testimony um, of what the anointing of this house is doing. Um, we just did our first business this past week, and five people in Crystal Church were asking me, where do you serve? Um, and I said, I serve in Kingdom Life Embassy. And they said, you're sitting under the shepherd, the true shepherd of God. So that's the testimony. Thank you so much. We love you. Kelly family. What an honor, Pastor Brian. Dear spiritual dad, mom and family, where do I begin? I wanted to start by saying you have a great sense of humor, but then I remembered all the bad Man United jokes you tell us. Pastor Max, let's start by saying I honor you. I respect your competence. You are smart and the world's best communicator. You have a supernatural ability to take a passage of biblical text and pull out the truths that bring us comfort, guide, guide us towards a right living. I respect your patience and kindness, the time you take to engage. When you tell us that you love us and those warm hugs, I respect your bravery, the things you had to give up personally to lead us to God's will. I respect your diligence. There are countless hard choices you are forced to constantly make. I respect your preparation. Every seven days, you give us a fresh word from God. I respect your family. You face challenges and must appear perfect. I respect your generosity. You love people so much. You gave up so much in the world and you gave us your time, and I'm sure the many priceless things so we can know God. I respect your compassion. You're constantly praying for us. I respect your commitment to Jesus 
and his mission. Because you love him so much, you answer the call to go into an incredible, unstable profession. I respect your vision. You see those in our church as what they could be, not just what they currently are. I respect you for being by our side. Every significant moment of my life, salvation, baptism, future wedding, baby dedications, funerals, you were there. And I respect what no one else sees. I respect the fact that you were broken into pieces by God. Personal heartbreak, sadness, doubt, disappointment, devastation, hurt feelings, sleepless nights, unspeakable pain. Tell us more. But one of the main reasons God uses you so effectively is you have been broken to pieces for his glory and our benefit and did not quit. You will finish the race. And for this I say thank you. I and the countless others will thank you every day for eternity because you're willing to pay a personal price others did not. And because you paid that price, I and others, I and others, I love met Jesus. You may not think anyone noticed the price you paid. I do. You are loved and respected. You took the place of dad and mom in my life. The girls and I love you, Pastor Z. I cannot say how much I love you. Sincerely and unconditionally. Taz, I haven't forgotten you. You have been a miracle in Jordan's life. And because you love her, I love you. And appreciate you. And I just want to say one more time, my dad, your beautiful wife and beautiful daughter, thank you. We love and appreciate you all. You and your family are blessed with love. Good morning, church. Please excuse, this is my flu voice, but the devil is a liar. <laughs> Uh, Pastor B, thank you for the platform as well. Um, what an honor and privilege it is to share and try to put in words, um, you know, how we feel about uh, you, Pastor Z, and Apostle Max. So, you know, I'm a man of quotes, um, so I just have to quote a few and try and bring it together. So, you know, it is said that leaders know the way, they show the way, and they go the way. And Benjamin Franklin once said, tell me and I forget. Teach me, and I remember. Involve me, and I learn. I remember fondly when I first walked into the, into the church. You know, I was invited by my now fiancé, and I was, eager, I was eager to impress her. <laughs> I was eager to impress her, but I found myself intrigued by the narrative that really underpins Apostle Max's teachings and his preachings. You know? about the righteousness, about a living a life of righteousness in the kingdom of God. One in which he has so richly endowed his chosen people and faithful servants with the following tools in leading the existence of abundance that he has destined for us. One, our unwavering faith that he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. And secondly, 
our ability to form and grow a spiritual relationship with Christ that we may see beyond the flesh and manifest our destinies. In my encounters with Apostle Max, I learned about the power of submission because in submitting to your vision, my own eyes have been opened. I draw inspiration from your exemplary leadership, your uncompromising drive for nothing less than perfection, all that you touch, and above all, the confidence that you inspire in all of us that we are more than capable of becoming the kind of leaders that we couldn't even fathom before walking through those doors. The following verses resonated with me as I was seeking God's word in relating to the topic of submission. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In Kingdom Life Embassy, myself, my beautiful fiancé, and the entire congregation have found the secret place of the Most High. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Through your world-class sermons, God's word continues to abide in us, and all that we desire is being done for us before our very eyes, because you are a shining example of what can be if one trusts God fully, submits to the kingdom, and seeks righteousness. Today, we honor you. We thank you for your existence, and we abide in Christ through you. Thank you. Good morning, KLE. Good morning, Apostle Max, Pastor Z. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for the opportunity. We appreciate it so much. Wow. <laughs> Where do you narrow down in a few words what someone means to you? I'm trying so hard not to cry. I'll never forget the day. I walked through KLE. I was 21 years old. I had shortly just given birth. I was so messed up. I had no direction for my life. I had, I was broken. I was such a broken woman. But you know, if I look back now, you know, I actually wrote down what I wanted to say and I'm so off track, but I'll just flow. <laughs> um, if I look back on my walk with God, it's not been an easy walk. It's been so tough, especially this last season of my life. It's been what pastors been, apostles been preaching, building from the ground up. And God has literally built me from the ground up in this place. He has literally, in this season, taken me. It's like he's stripped me of everything I thought I knew. He's stripped me of everything I thought I needed. And he's saying to me, this is who you are. It's like he is reminding me again of what he has called me for who I am and I know it's because of this house I know it's because 
of Apostle Max's teaching. I know it's because of the leader that he is. It's because of the father that he is. I remember there was a day he said to me, he had a dream of me. And Apostle, you said in the dream, you saw me collapse. But as you started speaking over me, strength reignited on the inside of me. And I woke up and I stood up. And this season of my life has been that. I feel through sitting under your declarations, your word, your teaching, it's like a strength has reignited on the inside of me. It's, there's a new hope that is reignited on the inside of me. There's power, boldness, tenacity. And I know it is because of the teaching. I know it's because of your leadership. You are, you know, Pastor, when I look at your life, I sometimes wonder, you know, we go through challenges. I know we all go through challenges, but you have to carry so much more. You have to go through so much more. You, you, you have to, I think sometimes when I don't want to come to church on a Sunday, I'm like, oh, I just want to sleep. You have to do it Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and you do it faithfully. You serve faithfully. And I just want to honor you. I want to thank you even for the way you love Pastor Z. I mean, your love for her is loud. It is proud. It is such an example to Vincent and I even because we never had that growing up. We never experienced that, and we get to see that through the way that you love Pastor Z. So I just want to honor you for loving her the way you do. Thank you for loving your children the way that you do. And we know that you can have amazing grandchildren. <laughs> we look forward to seeing those beautiful faces, and we just want to honor you. We want to thank you for your, for your love, for believing in us. For even for my husband and I, there was a season in our marriage that we weren't going to make it. But your counseling, your love, and today we're standing here by God's grace. And we give you the honor and the glory. And we just want to thank you, Apostle, for being who you are to us. We love you and we appreciate you, Pastor Zitaz. Thank you for sharing Apostle with us. We love you. One Thessalonians 5 is 12 in the Bishop translation reads, Dear brothers and sisters, Make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you. For they are your leaders who care for you, teach you, and stand before the Lord on your behalf. I want to give thanks to our Heavenly Father for connecting us to this house and giving us two amazing spiritual parents whose lives reflect a heart for God, obedience to His Word, and a love for His people. Apostle and Pastor Z, we acknowledge, appreciate, and thank you for your obedience, for your sacrifice, for your love and your honor, for being found good stewards, laying down your lives for the vision God has entrusted to you, for us, for our families, for our communities, for the nations. Apostle, it makes sense that God would ask you to start an organization and name it the For Change Foundation. You and Pastor Z are change agents. And I'm sure that many of us here have testimonies on how you've impacted our lives with not only the meaty teachings that grow and stretch us, but with our own lives being, but, but with your own lives being exemplary. We thank you. We love you. With this season we're in, building from the ground up, I just want to close off with Philippians 1 verse 6. We are confident of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank God for you. Come on. Thank the Lord for giving us the best. Amen. Thank God for giving us and blessing us with the best. Amen. God has been so faithful to us. That's why I say we like spoiled children. Man. I'm just going to say it. We like spoiled children. We've got the best. God has really blessed us. And those are only a few testimonies of what's still to come. I know I've asked many people to write out their testimonies, to prepare their testimonies, and they've done so. And after the service, I'm going to tell you exactly how we're going to make that come together for today. But those people, all the people that have just been sharing, you see their lives have been changed because of the sacrifices that you've made. All of us would never be where we are today if God hadn't connected us the way that He did. I'm so grateful to God. And so this morning, even in this moment and in this time, I just want, can we pass the communion elements around so we can just take communion as a family. We can seal of this moment. Have a covenant meal together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread and when he ate and when he had took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take it this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me he says do this in remembrance remembrance coming together are you with me poor part of one body members of one body in remembrance as we do this today it's a very special moment for us as kingdom life members so we're reminded of the covenant that we have with jesus christ the healing that we find in his broken body but through that same act on that cross he joined us all together in him as one as we break bread this morning we're reminded of what he has done in and through our lives the healing flow and the bringing together of his family Amen. Receive. Oh, the precious blood. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, as we partake of the blood today. Every curse. Every work of wickedness, 
every wicked scheme of the enemy, every plan of Satan is now destroyed. The curse is reversed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive. Father, we thank you for today. We seal this moment in heaven, Father God, through a covenant meal with you and with one another. As a family, Father God, I pray that you knit us once again together. Establish us together in you, Father God. Bind us together with cords of love that cannot be broken. And let your power flow in and through us, your people. We thank you that we've been delivered. We've been set free because of the work of Jesus Christ. And you said it is finished, Lord. Therefore, whatever you're dealing with right now, it is finished. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to receive the second offering right now. You may be seated very quickly. We're going to be receiving the second offering right now. And I don't want, uh, like I mentioned, it's a love offering. Amen. It's a love offering. We're giving out of love the boss. The, the bowls will go around. Um, I just wanted to read something this morning. Just do it. Philippians 4 verse 10. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Was that not the last two years? We cared, but we lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard for need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is Paul speaking. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned that both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well in that you've shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that, I, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me the concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, when you sent aid once you said it once and again for my necessities not that I seek the gift but I seek that the fruit that abounds to your account as you sow your seed as we honor it's a fruit that abounds to your account indeed I, I have all and abound I am full and received from Ephroditus the things sent from you a sweet smelling aroma acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God not to man to God and my God here's the release and my God Apostle Max Postasy and my God shall supply your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God our Father, to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, You are partakers in my grace. As you participate today, as we sow, as we bless, as we honor, as it's a love offering, the power that's released upon our lives is that we partake of the grace that's on theirs. Amen. Because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive your father. There's no way. Everything that God, the Bible says, is a reward of those who diligently seek Him. As we come to love on you and we come to bless you and we come to sow into your lives, money is really, it's really, it's the least we can do. But it's just to tell you that we love you and we appreciate you. That's really what it is today. And I'm trusting God that even through the various messages and through the, the communication that we're going to send through later today, that it's just going to even bless you even more. But I want you to know that our lives are a living testimony of what God has done through your life 
and the people that you call to serve. Amen and amen. Thank you.